welcome to another episode of Friends on the Fringe. I'm Mike, and with me always is... Ethan. Hello, Ethan. How's it going today? It's going rainy and cloudy, but almost Christmas, so it's going great. How are you doing? I'm doing... I'm doing fantastic. A lot of Christmas things on the horizon. Parties, caroling, events. Uh, It's a a wave. A wave of tinsel trying to drown me out. It is. And one of the things I like about Christmas and any of our Christian holidays, especially what do we call it? Christmas and Easter. Or I don't know if it was you, Mike, but someone recently called them the Creasters. They come at Christmas and Easter. Yes. Um, but but almost anyone is willing to talk about something for Christmas time. And so even if someone's not, even if they're an atheist and think God's not real, you can say, hey, what does Christmas mean to you? Or well, are you excited about Christmas and why? Um, and mm-hmm. it's a great opportunity where the door is already there. We just got to push it open and say, hey. I love Christmas because of Jesus' birthday. What about you? And they're not going to be offended because it's mm-hmm. on every other Christmas song that they listen to. So I love Christmas for that reason. What an awesome opportunity to talk about Jesus without being too awkward. Yeah, yeah. And the fact that Walmart and all the major box stores, they play worship music during Christmas, and they don't even know it's worship music. They're talking about coming saviors, risen lords, and they just think, oh, that's a traditional song. But nope, you're accidentally worshiping Jesus. Well, let's let them keep thinking that it's just a traditional song. Yeah. Got them. Yep. All right, what, uh, do you have another letter? Ah, yes. This one has, uh, it's colored like a candy cane, and it's covered in snow. Let me just brush it off. All right. So we have uh, Ebenezer Rudolph from Christmas River of North Dakota. And he writes, Dear Ethan and Mike, I recently became friends with a coworker at my job at Pretzel Time. He doesn't know I'm a Christian. A pastor is urging me to sit down and have the Jesus talk with him. But my good friends are saying I should lead with a godly example and not with preaching. What should I do? That's a great question. That is a good question. I mean, he must not live in the sticks like me because he's got a job called pretzel time. Yeah. It must be at like a mall or someplace that can uh, have pretzels. All right. So he said he's, he's a Christian and mm-hmm. he became friends with a coworker. And his coworker does not know yet that he's a Christian. Right. But his pastor's a uh, Bible thumper and says, my, bo- my pastor's urging me to sit down and have the Jesus talk with him. Yeah. But his other friends are saying he should lead with a godly example and not with preaching. Man, that's a lot in there, Mike. That's a good question, though. Yes, you know, I ask myself that. Like, when do I be direct? Hey, you, find Jesus. And when do I act out my faith in a way that doesn't need words, but shows others I care and love them? Where Where's the dividing line between that? Where do they mesh? Uh, 
Um, how does that look like if I did it perfectly? It's a good question. So if I was a football fan, let's say I was a Buffalo Bills fan, and you're my good friend, Mike, and I never wore a Buffalo Bills shirt. I never talked about the Buffalo Bills, but it's my number one thing I'd like to do and talk about. But when I'm with you, I never talk about it to the yeah. point where you don't even know because I don't even wear their gear. Well, then I wouldn't be showing who I am to you, I think. Yeah. True. I don't know. That's just one, one thing that goes through my mind. Yeah. You but on the other hand, if, yeah. if I show up and I'm wearing a Buffalo Bills helmet and full shoulder pads and a jersey and I keep trying to, like, run and jump on you and tackle you and say, yeah, the Bills are the best and, and I'm an obnoxious <laughs> jerk and, and I, you know, slap your butt every time you walk by because, you know, that's what football players do. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah you know, I want to – then, then that's the uh, that's the other end of the spectrum, the extreme. We're like, mm -hmm. well, I don't want to be that guy that's going to get fired for talking about his football team. Yeah, yeah. You know, there's it, there's a, like a there's an urgency. You know, we can't we can't cut out the part where we have to recommend this Christian life to everyone we meet and introduce them to Jesus. There's, that's absolutely, uh, you know, that's a hard, a hard sell. We have to do it, and sometimes, sometimes it feels like, well, you know, I, I need to get that out of the way. You know, can I just go up to as many people as possible and say, Jesus loves you. Go follow him. Don't let your sin crush you. Thank you. Good night. And just keep on moving on to different people, different people. That feels easy, and I could at least brag that I've witnessed to over a thousand people. Hmm. But is your job just to witness or just to, to preach? And, and I think that brings up a question. What is the Jesus talk? Yeah. It seems like it's the shortest distance in words to get someone to have some kind of relationship with Jesus. Did anyone ever have the Jesus talk with you, Mike? Well, I do have a fun story. So there's this uh, Brockport College has this um, Brock the Port. Yeah, um, I've been there. Yeah, it's, it's a Christian-based um, place that does an overnight with all the teenagers you know good fun i got to see i got to see the band emery and we got to hear we got to hear a special message from uh dr james dobbs his son or dobson oh, james cool. dobson his son gave a talk there and he got to share what faith was like so the whole thing you could tell was for christians and uh, it was cool because I got to bring my my cousin there, and you know he was he was good with coming to something that was Christian based, even though that you know that was not his jam. And you know we're having fun. It's probably like four a.m. Um, and this kid, this kid wearing like this Dr. Seuss hat, comes down and he's like, um, 
I want, you know, do you guys know if you died tonight, if you would go to heaven? And we're like, oh, okay, you know, is is this it? Is this the Jesus talk? And, you know, we don't know who this guy was. We didn't know if he cared about us. I mean, obviously he did. He wanted to share life-saving news with us. Um, you know, we didn't we didn't know what his end game was, but he, you know, he gave a presentation on why a normal person should just follow Jesus and make it their make it their jam. Yeah, I think that was probably what I would consider the Jesus talk would be that you know, not just, hey, I believe in Jesus. Oh, good, good for you. Mm-hmm. But it's more than just talking about him. But I think it's it's one thing to know who Jesus is, but then I think you and I would agree that once you hear the gospel, you, you have to respond to it. Yeah. You know, it, it can be a, yes, that's awesome. I can't believe there's someone who died for me. I want to follow this guy. and God is awesome and holy, and he loves me. I want to be with that guy. Or you could say, you know what, I, I don't dig that stuff yet. Thank you. It, it might be cool, and Jesus is a cool guy. Mm-hmm. And you you got to respond to it. But if we don't ask people to respond to it, then they, they're able to just keep going with, he might just be a cool guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, there's. I hate to liken this, but it is it is essentially a car sale. You know, you can't just look at the cars. You have to go with a salesman. A salesman has to tell you all about the car, the what it costs, how it'll help your life. Then they sit you down in the office and they said, okay, do you want the car? And then after you say yes, then they should, you know, try to go for the warranty and all that other stuff. That's right. You should get that undercoating, that baptism. It'll help save the, save your yeah. soul a little bit longer. If now, you get the warranty and give a certain amount, man. Yeah. When they come into church, you get a warranty. That... I absolutely hate that metaphor because the pressure of car sales was just, I was a car salesman for a hot year, and it just, it, it felt uh, like pushing people. I was not a pushy person. And then... Maybe that I did was... not know that you were a car salesman, Mike. Yeah, I I thought for a hot year that I would be good at selling anything, and I was hired by the Toyota Door Show to sell their cars, which they pretty much sold themselves because everyone loves a Toyota. But um, I was not very good at it. And I couldn't, I couldn't get the the extended warranty, which which was the gold. That's what got your paycheck, was that extended warranty. Uh, they actually said if you just sell cars in this business without any extras, you you probably won't <laughs> keep your job. Well, that's sad. Yeah. But enough about me. Is is having a relationship where showing someone you're a Christian, is that like car sales or is there more to it? 
I think there's similarities. Now, a car is only going to get you from point A to point B, and it's going to cost you a lot mm -hmm. of finances. And choosing Jesus is going to not, well, it could cost you finances, but it'll cost you your mindset of thinking about Jesus first or other people or yourself first. Mm -hmm. So I would say they're similar, but hopefully. We're not trying to save people um, because right. we think it's going to get us a better spot in heaven or because we think that it'll get us to heaven. I met a street preacher in Minneapolis, and I went up to him. He's a little interesting fella, put it that way. Sometimes he'd be seen without a shirt on, but wearing a sombrero and reading the book of Luke, and the next thing you know, he's reading Lord of the Rings. Yes. Uh, but he was there every day preaching, preaching, usually preaching uh, the Bible or reading the Bible. And I went up to him. I said, Mike, why do you do this? You know, what, what's your passion? Why do you do this? He said, I hope I can earn myself to get to heaven. And I was like, wait a second. You, you're not even listening to what you're reading. You know, he thought that he needed to do that because he owed God so much. Right. And yes, we owe, we owe God a lot, but do we need to do it? Right. You know, this can be very discouraging, Ethan. The whole, I need to be social enough with those around me to bring up the topic of Jesus. Um, I also need to act like Jesus so no one thinks that I'm just, I'm selling the, the talk but not the walk. And like, where have you found success in this at all? And I'm, you're, you've talked to a lot of people. You've had some interesting conversations. And I don't think anyone's called you out for, for going to bars or doing secret drug deals or, you know, being a rude person. So I think, I think you do both well. So what's your secret? Oh, my secret. I wish I knew what it was. I, I think I love Jesus enough that my goal isn't the attitude of if I piss off 500 people but bring one to Jesus, it was worth it. <laughs> You're saying that's not your attitude. It's not. And I have, I have met people where that is their attitude. Um, I've, prevent, I've stopped some people who had a plan on doing some things because that was their attitude, even if it might get our ministry kicked off campus. If it saved one person, it was worth it. I said, I don't think so. So I think the idea is, what is the best strategy? So if I meet with a student who's an atheist, my goal isn't to have the Jesus question, the Jesus talk uh, mm -hmm. with them that day. My goal is to, to see where they're at. You know, If they don't even trust a Christian or they don't even believe in the Bible, I'm not going to quote the Bible to them. You know, when I was doing years of ministry to Muslims, I didn't quote the Bible to them because they thought it was, they didn't think it was scripture. Instead, yeah. I learned what their Bible was and quoted that to them. I Ooh. learned the Quran. I'm a man, I could point to Jesus in the Quran. Anyway, um, so the, the goal, to my opinion, isn't the first time I meet someone to have that Jesus talk. Uh, but yet, if I meet with someone for five years, and they mm -hmm. still don't even know I'm a Bills fan, if you think of that analogy. Or, they, you know, if I meet with them for five years and they don't even realize that I'm a Christian, 
Mm -hmm. that requires that. So the, the, the analogy for that would be uh, my pastor in Minneapolis, a lovely guy, big mentor to me. Him and his wife uh, had a house, and they had neighbors for about three years. It was at least three years. And then they were going to a Thanksgiving uh, service at our church, Thanksgiving Eve service. And they were all dressed up, and they saw their neighbor, and they usually just said hi. They knew their names, but they never talked to much about who they were, what they did for the occupations. And the neighbor came out to the pastor and his wife and said, hey, where are you guys going on a date? I said, oh, no, we're going to a Thanksgiving Eve service. My past, my husband's the pastor of a church. Hey, we're Christians, too. I didn't know your husband was the pastor. <laughs> yes. And it just made her feel guilty. She was like, wait, I've lived next to them for three years. Like, they're my literally my next-door neighbor. And mm -hmm. I didn't even know what they might believe. Didn't know that they're a teammate of mine. Right. Uh, and so thinking of that analogy, there needs to be that balance of, is that actually the first time? Because if I'm not looking for a car and you come up to me and tell me, hey, Ethan, I got to sell you this $26,000 car. And I'm like, hey, dude, I'm a college student. I'm broke. And I got a car. I don't need it. Right? But if I get to know who you are, when I am looking for a car, then I'm going to trust you and want to go meet you. Talk about Right. This. Now, here's my, or maybe not my generation, but generations before me are worried that that we you know we're all introverts. We don't have uh, relationship-defining talks or awkward talks. So uh, Jesus is going to have to just we we can't have the Jesus talk. So God has to use us some other way. Maybe we just look very 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 Christian everywhere we go, and maybe hopefully by some magical power, people will come up to us and say, "Hey, you know, are you?" eating breakfast like a Christian, and then they can maybe, maybe get out some kind of word about Jesus. You know, what do you, what do you think about that fear that this generation has? I, I think it starts with a fear that they have to have the Jesus talk with everybody. Mm -hmm. And so my perfect analogy is I'm a campus minister and the college pastor. Kind of the college pastor at the church in Minnesota. Uh, church of, you know, initially over 250 people when we got there. And a large sanctuary. And anyway, I sit up front because a lot of Baptists don't sit up front. And I would sit up front and invite the college students. Well, a college-age student came to church and sat in the back half of the church on the closest to the door on the way up to the foyer. Mm -hmm. He sat next to in, in the pew of this older lady who's got to be in her 70s. She's been She's like born in the church, like almost literally. Mm -hmm. Like she's been there for 70 years. And she comes up to me, like she can barely walk, and she comes up to me after church as fast as she can. Ethan, Ethan, look, he's going out the door right there. See him? That young man? He looks like a college student. You should talk to him. Mm -hmm. I said, okay, what's his name? I don't know. Like she looks so scary. <laughs> You know, and I'm just like, wait, what? Did you, how do you know he's college age? Well, he sat in my pew. Like, we even have that dumb Baptist time to share, you know, where you get around and shake people's hands and say hi to each other. She wouldn't even do it during that time. Yeah. You know, so, it, yes, the pastor can talk about the gospel, but everyone should be willing to say, hey, you came to my church. How are you doing? Mm -hmm. I've never been here before. Do you know this song we're singing? 
You know, yes. what did you think of the service? What's your name? <laughs> yeah. But this lady, in the same instance, I think she just assumed it's the pastor's job because I'm at his age. I don't know if he's a Christian. Uh, I, I, I'm not prepared or trained to say that Jesus talk. And so I think mm-hmm. one of the part of the fear is thinking, I don't know what to say. And right. a lot of that is you think you have to have a theology degree. Jesus. You know, I like that we're coming to the conclusion that, you know, it's not always the same technique. No way to share always looks the same and there's no universal way to do it. My favorite example is the guitarist, Brian Welch, who was in, he was like uh, the head guitarist for the band Korn. You know, he was living a very, very dark life that involved uh, drug abuse. Um, You know, he had a child with this other girl who uh, also was abusing drugs. And uh, the only connection he had with religion was the fact that uh, the guy who he was buying a home from, the real estate guy. Um, He knew he was a Christian, and the guy just kind of invited him to church. And he said yes. And uh, when he went to church, that's what saved him. That's what made him, that's what put him on the journey to, to having a faith and a relationship with Jesus. Wow. Yeah. The real estate guy, he's not a pastor. He didn't have uh, four bullet points on why he should go to heaven. That's right. Uh, one quick more story. When I first got to Minnesota, I, started, I do a lot of discipleship with, with college guys or young young adult men. And I'm this one guy, he was like leader of his youth group, even got to preach on youth day. He thought he was like the spiritual, you know, brought us just this, you know, Thought he knew everything about the Bible as a young man. And I start discipling him. In week two, we talk about what is the gospel. So I say, all right, Jimmy, uh, you know, pretend I'm a, a Chinese student, because we used to pick Chinese students up at the airport and bring them to campus and do Chinese ministry. And I said, you know, let's say I'm a Chinese student. I just, you know, I'm, I'm, I just got off the plane like a week ago, and I, I hear that you're a Christian. I overheard that. And I come up to you and I say, hey, Hey, Jimmy, I want to be a Christian. What do I need to believe or do or say to be a Christian? You know, what, what does it mean to be a Christian? Tell me. And he's like, are we really role-playing this? I said, yeah, you ought to know you're a Christian, right? Yep. I said, all right, what do I need to believe? And he just stared at me like got bloodshot, didn't even know what to say. And finally he said, well, you should. I would have him talk to my pastor. You should talk to my pastor. <laughs> And so I could have stopped there, Mike, but of course I'm I'm not. I'm, uh, I said, oh, so you're not actually a Christian. Well, I am too a Christian. I said, mm-hmm. well, Jimmy, if you're a Christian, you ought to know enough to tell me what you believe. So what do I need to know to believe? Well, uh, uh, this isn't any fun. And he, he quit. Like He just didn't want to have the conversation because he didn't know what to say. And he'd never been taught, trained or seeing another Christian actually talk to a non-Christian about their faith. Mm-hmm. And so I you know, think if, you know, yeah. Maybe he was under the impression, you know, I act like Jesus without words and someone's bound to come up to me and I just point them over to Ethan. 
Yeah, yeah, just point them to the pastor in the pastor, mm-hmm. you know, that's the pastor's job to, to right to say hi or figure out their name or yeah. Mm-hmm. So Ethan, um, do you know the four evangelism styles? The four evangelism styles. Uh, not off the top of my head, Mike. Why don't you enlighten me? And it actually is. It, it's increased since I learned about it in youth group. But it says there's uh, different kinds of evangelism styles, six in all. Uh, one of them is mass evangelism, which I think you're you're good at that one. You just tell hundreds and hundreds of people at a time um, about the gospel. Then there's personal evangelism, which Campus 180 likes to excel in. Then there's intellectual evangelism, where you use logic and reasoning to talk about God. Then there's testimonial evangelism, where you kind of use your own story to relate to others. And then there's my favorite that I like to go to a lot, invitational evangelism, where you try to bring other people to places that talk about the gospel. And then there's one that I think you like too, and that's service evangelism, where Mm -hmm. you use your actions to as a as kind of a an example of who Jesus is. That's a good way to categorize the different approaches to evangelism. Yeah. I know that there's a lot of give and take on how much should it how much of it should be service uh, you acting like Jesus, talking like Jesus, but not necessarily going through the four spiritual laws with anyone. And how much of it should just be a direct Jesus blast? Like, hey, you, here's my story. And you need it. Right. Well, that brings up a Bible passage that, that comes to mind. Oftentimes people, when they think about Christianity, they think about it's just about the rules. And these people came up to Jesus in Matthew chapter 22 and tried to trick him. And they said, Jesus, because there's hundreds and hundreds of laws in the Old Testament that these people followed. And they said, which law is the greatest? Wondering, ooh, what will he say? And Mike, do you remember what he says in response to that question? He simplifies it. Uh, or or you could say he complicates it, no matter how you look at it. No. He, he puts it to, down to two. You know, love God, love your neighbor. Um, I'm only saying it would be complicated is because it is sometimes very hard to do both of those things. Right. But, but that, that was what Jesus' heart, right? To love yeah. God and to love people. Mm-hmm. And... People just assume that when you talk about, you know, this is a good example in Scripture because Jesus didn't say, hey, well, which commandment's the greatest? And his response wasn't, you have to follow me with everything. You have to do the Ten Commandments. You have to do this. You have to do that. And don't forget to do this. And don't forget to wear that. Uh-huh. He just said, you know, summarize it. Let's, let's love God, love people. Whereas if every time we see Jesus talk to a 
non-believer in the, in the Bible, uh-huh. um, if every time he just said, all right, pray this prayer after me, well, then we'd have a different approach. But normally yeah. he doesn't. He meets their needs, and he loves on them. Um, yes. So, yeah, that's, I like that approach. The holistic approach. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And someone, I think we brought this up before, but someone might say, oh, you know, holistic approach. Yeah, that's that's good, and that's faithful and all. And But, you know, uh, someone could die the next day, so it's good to get the whole truth and nothing but the truth out to them. <laughs> Yeah, I, I don't know if I've shared this before on the podcast, but when I first started preaching, I was a missionary, and I'd fill in every once in a while for pastors. And I got advice from this one pastor. I mean, he said, Ethan, no matter what you do, preach the gospel and give an invitation to accept Jesus every time you preach. And then he said, the reason you do it every time is back in oh, late 1800s, early 1900s, there was this huge revival planned in Chicago. And there was like a Monday night, Tuesday night, Wednesday night, Thursday night, Friday night, like all week long. And at the end of the week, they were going to, they were talking about the gospel, talking about God, talking about Jesus. And at the very end of the week, they were going to ask people if they wanted to make a decision to follow Jesus. Uh Well, I know it's the third or fourth night in that week. And then Chicago, the whole city catches fire. Um, One of the rumors is like the fire was so bad that even the river that goes through Chicago was on fire. Um, and a lot of people died, and the church church was burned in flames. And so they never got to do that. And so those people are thinking, you got to do it every time because you don't know what's going to happen. I think there needs to be balance there. Yeah. You know, if, if, if I don't care at all about working out, and the first time I meet you, Mike, because I know you, you, you've got some, you know, history of working out and stuff, and you're just like, Ethan, you got to join my gym. Come to my gym. And I'm like, no, I like eating Cheetos and sitting on my couch, dude. Leave me alone. Uh-huh. <laughs> right? Instead, you might start talking to me, and eventually I might come to the realization that I need something to help me get in a better health. Uh-huh. And then you could offer me that opportunity when I could, you know? Uh-huh. So I think we need a balance, and we each, each situation is different. I'm not going to share my faith with a 12-year-old the same as I will with a dying person. It's the same uh-huh. as I would with a Muslim. Yeah, there's there's something very valiant and very cover your bases about handing out a track or asking that question. Do you know where you would go if you died? Like both of them are very valiant questions and they they cover like the deepest need without any of the working up to it part. Um, You know, I know my generation probably your generation, our generation, they probably think that is that is so uncomfortable to start at that point. Um, and then mm-hmm. they kind of feel guilty. Like, why can't I start at that point? Why can't I be weird for Jesus? Um, which makes a great bumper sticker. Um, <laughs> and I, I think the answer is, you know, evangelism doesn't have to be like a point blank execution. Um, There's definitely times when you feel like, okay, you know, I have an opening, I can bring this up. 
Um, and then there's times where it's like, okay, my relationship with so-and-so is authentic. They know I go to church, you know, time to ask some leading questions, maybe get their opinion. Um, yeah. Well, even Jesus at the woman at the well, he asked her questions. He got to figure out what she was thinking about, who she was. Mm -hmm. uh, there was a popular radio pastor who, um, when he was, he took a tour in World War II out in, like, I think it was Japan. And he wrote all these Bible verses on, like, index cards. And he really wanted to get his the person the same person in his bunk saved, so he pretended that he was trying to memorize them. So he gave the person those cards, and he's like, and he would say, "God so loved the what world? Oh, that's right, that he gave his only <laughs> what? So, oh, thank you." And so he was using like trickery to. Uh, kind of help him with the evangelism. And the guy didn't get saved through flashcards, but he got saved later in his life. So mm -hmm. I don't know how you feel about uh, trickery. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I'm not a big one for trickery myself, but mm -hmm. cause that's kind of like car salesman ish. Yeah. Um, but, but I think if you, if, for those that are listening who do go to church or are Christians, I'm going to have a safe bet that 95% of you started that journey with God or with a church because someone asked you to come. Yeah. Uh, you know, most of us don't just get up and be like, oh, I'm going to open this Bible and figure it out by myself. You know, there's only 66 uh -huh. books inside this thing. So that, that brings me to a quick passage I want to read in uh, Romans. I think this relates to everyone. Uh, this is Romans 10, uh, starting in verse 14. How then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in that one of whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching or telling them? And how can anyone preach or teach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring the good news. Yes. So, um, now, go ahead, Mike. Well, I was saying if you had to sum that up in like modern terms, uh, what would it sound like? Would it sound like as a Christian, we are responsible of communicating what Jesus has done to others? Yeah. And not just what he's done, but why we need him. And so the, the an illustration I like to use is we're all in a building and somehow the doors are all locked. But we're fine. You know, we're fine for a couple of days. There's enough food in the building. And then all of a sudden, some of us realize that the back of the building's on fire. But we can't get out. Right? And let's say, Mike, you and I realize that the building's fire. Some people are panicking, but a lot of people are just used to the warmth and they're, they're comfortable. Um, and then eventually, you know, let's say our friend Kayla 
realizes that, oh, she was able to get a window open. Only one window. And there's a way out. Uh-huh. I can tell everyone, hey, there's a way out. There's a way out. Let's get out. But if they don't first realize that something horrible is coming, you know, or that the uh-huh. building is on fire, how are they going to know unless I tell them that, hey, the building's on fire. We're in a, you know, a hurting world, a sinful place, a, a, an ungodly world that we live in. And there's a way out. So if I don't tell them, well, one, if I know where the exit is and I don't tell anyone, well, then do I deserve heaven? Because of how selfish I am. Uh-huh. Um, so that, that analogy always goes through my head is to there's a, a, there's a need and there's a reason for the need. But the people are they able to understand uh-huh. it all. Yeah. And different people are in different places. Um, some of them mm-hmm. have an understanding of that fire. Other people have no concept of that fire. Uh, some people have found uh, an illusion of a window from that fire, while other people, like you said, really enjoy that fire and are okay with what it's going to do. Yep. Mm-hmm. So this makes me think of the opposite. Another passage for evangelism or the Jesus talk is. First Peter 3.15, I'm going to try to quote this off my head. Um, In your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give a reason for the hope that you have, but do this with gentleness and respect. Uh Always be prepared to give an answer. Well, I don't give an answer unless someone asks me a question. So this verse basically is like, don't go out and just Bible thump people. Live like Jesus in such a way that people will ask you questions. Yeah. Um, so to me, that, that, that verse is important. It says, be prepared to give an answer to a question. So wait for a question sometimes. Uh, yeah. Well, what would you say to someone who has never, ever brought up their faith to anyone? And they said, Ethan, I'm an introvert. I get weird when I talk about anything serious with my friends. Um, and I don't want them to look at me like a salesman. Right. Uh, one way to do that would be let, I might look at their social media. And if they're posting about a sports team or an anime cartoon or a TV show, then that's important to them. Then if you're willing to post about those things, but not about Jesus... Mm-hmm. Why not? So that would be one thing. I mean, if they're an introvert, they're like, Ethan, I don't have Facebook. I don't talk to anybody. And that's mm-hmm. a little bit different. You know, if you're an introvert, but yet you're still sharing and talking to people about things that are important to you, but the most important thing you don't want to talk to. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you're an introvert, then I, I might say, well, you know, let's take a, I think the biggest fear people have is thinking, I don't know what to say if someone asks me a question. Mm-hmm. Or... Am I prepared to say, Mike, if I shot you today, where would you go? Heaven yeah. or hell, right? Like we, we assume that we have to get right to that Jesus talk when most people just want someone to say, hi, how, how's it going? How's your day? Yeah. Or right now, Christmas is a perfect time to talk about it. How's your Christmas? Did you get your tree up yet? What's Christmas mean to you? Um, you know, almost everyone, whether they go to church or not, goes to a Christmas Eve service or Christmas Day service. You know, asking people if they've ever been before. Mm-hmm. And that can give us a little more insight as to, is that person ready for me to talk? But 
then for the introvert, I would also say pray for courage and wisdom and boldness. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, that sounds like a great lead-in question. A great uh, where are you spiritually question is, and I, I really wish there was a popular Christian holiday every month, you know, <laughs> maybe we can try it. How's your, how's your Valentine's Day going? What does it mean to you? And then talk about St. Valentine. But, you know, I might be stretching it. Right. I, you know, not, not, I don't like to mince words. I always feel bad. But, you know, sometimes I like to talk about, you know, other people's testimonies, like Luther. And how Luther absolutely had the fear of every sin disqualifying him from heaven. And it drove him insane that even like thunderstorms thought it was like the end of his life and he was going to hell. And how, you know, the, the, the real meaning behind Jesus is what uh, changed his mind about it and made him like a proponent for grace. So another quick real-life example of this situation. Uh, in the community I'm at, where I'm a pastor, there's been a lot of hurt and grief and lots of death from suicide, overdoses, COVID, old age, medical problems, car accidents. Lots of crazy stuff going on. So I hosted an event uh, two days ago in my church and opened up the community. And we had a couple of people that don't even show up to our church or any church. And the one person is not a Christian at all. We use this ministry called Grief Share, and, and you watch the DVD for most of the two hours, or a good hour of it, and then there's discussion. But in it, we're a Christian, and we're at a church, and so we are not going to talk about Jesus, but we realize right now we're not trying to bring people to Jesus or get people to come to our church membership. We're just trying to help people process grief through the holidays. Um, but in the video, I, w I was waiting for it. I was like, all right, it's a Christian organization. They've talked about Jesus being hope. And in my mind, I'm sitting there thinking, if I'm a non-Christian, how am I going to think about what they're saying? And then all of a sudden, they had that little, felt a little bit awkward, but they said, well, maybe you don't know what that hope is we're talking about. Well, it's Jesus. Maybe you don't know who Jesus is. And they went through Jesus, you know, in a minute or two about how he, God sent him, and he lived a perfect life. He died on the cross. He rose again. Um, and they talked about the gospel. And part of me is like, oh, is this going to be awkward? What are people going to think? And then other parts of me are like, wow, this is awesome. They said it really easy, probably better than I could have. And now the person knows what we all believe. Mm -hmm. But there was that question I was wondering, is this material going to talk about that Jesus talk or not? And if they do, how awkward is it going to be? Yeah. I mean, I've heard some some awkward starts um you know at a new york city subway guy uh we were doing this evangelism thing and he's like you know whenever god taps me on the shoulder that's when i start talking so he goes up to this girl minding her own business and he you know he kind of just blurts out the line you know i was going through a hard time and then i found hope in god and that really changed my life it gave me a purpose and the girl kind of does like this embarrassed smile and just kind of walks off. And I always thought like, you know, he put in 
you know, he, he took a chance and that's mm-hmm. more than anyone could ask. Um, you know, I wonder what was happening. Like, I wondered like the effectiveness of that, you know, and maybe we're not supposed to worry about the effectiveness of that. Maybe that's all in God's hands. Hmm. Well, you, you could look at the prophets. Right, you've got Noah. He was a hundred years. He worked on that ark, telling people about the flood. No one listened. Mm-hmm. You know, he so for a hundred years is his ministry, and he saved, counting himself, eight people. Yeah, uh, but it, it is hard when you're when you're passionate and you're trying to share your faith, and people look at you like you're crazy. Yeah, I mean, even my own son. My my foster son, he asked, do we have to talk about God all the time? You know, <laughs> not not all my problems can be fixed by God. And I'm like, well, <laughs> about that. Yeah. Well, kids are fun. Uh, so especially little kids. My daughter is just turned eight less than a month ago. And I was taking her and another girl uh, who's not a Christian. Uh, we carpool to gymnastics. So I had the two girls. They're one's eight, one's seven. And they're talking about Christmas. And my daughter, because she's my daughter, and I talk about God all the time, right? So they mm-hmm. start talking about Jesus and Christmas. Uh, and the other girl knows a little bit. Um, but then they're like, but Jesus is God. Well, how can that be? Because he died, but he's God. And it was just, I just didn't say a word. But it was cool to observe my daughter having no fear and just talking about Jesus. Why? Because we talk about it at home. Mm-hmm. And to me, as in my speaking with hundreds of college students over the 15 years of evangelism, too often Christians never see other Christians talking about Jesus with non-Christians. Right? So mm-hmm. I, other than my pastor, I never see my mom and dad talk about Jesus with a non-Christian. Um, you know, we go to their house and we don't talk about Jesus. And so then when I when the kid gets older, they don't know who, if it's okay or even how to talk about Jesus or their faith as a non-Christian. And so I'm excited that my daughter, hopefully this will continue, but because we always talk about it, and she's also homeschooled, so she gets Bible class. To her, it's normal to just talk about Jesus. And so she's going to do it. And it makes my heart warm and fuzzy inside. But yeah, Absolutely. I hope I can be like that. Absolutely. I, you know, it's funny with these evangelism styles, there is a style for everybody. And, you know, there's, there's that girl, we, we always hear about that girl who gets tapped on the shoulder by God to walk into a bar, stand on a table and share the whole gospel to a bunch of drunks. Mm-hmm. Um, I've heard that story and I was like, nope, nope. God, you can skip me on that one. Um, <laughs> you know, I am not that. But then, if you give me like a plate of muffins, I can go around to random tables and invite people to Bible study. Um, mm. And, you know, I, I used to think, oh, you know, that's not real evangelism because it's not coming from you. But lo and behold, Ethan, people have come. And sometimes they get baptized later in the year. 
Mm-hmm. So. And I think another thing is we often pre-assume the person's response to the gospel. Mm-hmm. So, for instance, at the end of that grief thing we had, I'm standing up and, you know, I said, I'm going to say a prayer and, you know, thanks everyone for coming. And then I said, you know, if you guys have found this helpful, my, you know, I'm an interim pastor, but this, I want to get this church to care more about the community. So if you guys found this helpful and would like to do more of these things, we'd love to see what our church can do to help you guys. And the two non-Christians were the first one to shake their head. Yes. Where a part of me, yes, I'm a pastor, but part of me was wondering, they're going to be like, I've had enough church. <laughs> I don't. But they came to a church. So I better talk about Jesus. <laughs> right? right. You're um, on brand. Yep. Mm-hmm. And especially for you and I, Mike, and, and anyone else listening who is in ministry of any sort, whether even just a youth group, volunteer leader. But if us as leaders or servants, we like to say, if we're not talking about Jesus, no one else is. Right. Right. And that's what really convicted me at one point is I want to be someone's friend. But if I'm a minister and I'm not talking about Jesus and asking how I can pray for them and challenge them to walk like Jesus, then I'm, then I'm a crappy minister. Right. And I can't help but think in the 1800s, there was a lot of uh, the Spurgeons and the Edwards of that region always talked about. You know, if you're too too scared to share, if you're not spending your your hours getting people to the next step, then you know you're pretty you're pretty useless in your faith. You know, that that's real challenging stuff. Right. Yeah. So well, I, I hope wanted... we've answered this. I hope we've answered the person's question a little bit. What else you got to help us answer the question? Oh. I have one more verse, and that is Colossians 4, 6. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. Um, It doesn't assume you're going to go full blast for spiritual laws. Here they are. Let's do an altar call. Um, But it assumes that every conversation, every relationship is going to go where people can know about what you're about and why you're about it. Hmm. It's a good way to end it. Yeah. So I think we came to the conclusion that everyone within, you know, within our relationships, people knowing about who we serve and why we serve is important. That's right. But we also should, should not underlook or overlook. I don't know. Um, you know, our services and our kindness and our invitations as a way of getting to that step. Mm. And as you have stated, Ethan, communication, saying it in words is always key. Um, you know, there's no, there's no way around that. There's no beating around the bush. Right. And I guess most of all, you know, have that be a, a, a prayer request on how you should do it. I mean, we say, uh, your will be done, your kingdom come. Um, right. That's, that's an evangelism prayer right there. 
I think that's, that would be an important thing as we close here. Ebenezer Rudolph from Christmas mm-hmm. River in North Dakota is be asking God to help you figure out how do you talk, how do you walk, how do you act in front of your unchurched friends um, and, and ask God for wisdom and, and ask people to pray for you uh, and specifically pray for these friends of yours. Mm-hmm. Yes. It's also, I think I want to end on this note. It's also very know, comforting to know that God doesn't need our elegance in our word choice to get the job done. That's right. Um, we are part of, you know, we are not the answer. Um, we're just kind of helpers to the answer. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, anywho. I've enjoyed the discussion. I look forward to seeing what the next writer or mailer or caller uh, sends us for a question for next week's episode. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's good because, like, I have a closet full of letters. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Well, one of these times, we we'll have to catch up on some of these letters. Maybe we could do, you know, two or three questions in one and uh, yeah. punch them out. Don't want to keep our listeners waiting. Absolutely. Well, Ethan, it was a pleasure, and I hope our audience uh, likes what they heard, too. That's right. We'll catch you guys next time. All right. Bye-bye.